Welcome to Stories from A to Z with Mona P. I'm your host, Mona Pasanoff. Today's guest is Angela Bidding, massage therapist. Angie and I have known each other for almost 16 years. She came highly recommended when I was looking for a masseuse, and she's still going strong. Her career has led her to different locales and countries, working her magic with the U.S. track and field and women's soccer teams during Olympic years and other championships. If you haven't had a chance to check out my Stories from A to Z Facebook page, you may want to. There's a great photo of the outfits that she and her husband wore on their wedding day. You have to see it to believe it. Hi, Angela. It's so good to have you here today. How are you? I'm great, Mona. Thanks for having me today. We're going to start with you telling us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? Where do you live now? I was born in Brooksville, Florida and grew up in Inverness, Florida. So grew up in the same town that my mom and dad grew up in pretty much since they were young kids. They were born out of the state. For those that don't know, it's about an hour and 20 minutes north of Tampa area. Beautiful rural Florida country. Graduated from high school and then went on to college from there. Pretty normal. Pretty normal, but how did you wind up in this area, like in the Brandon, Valrico area? So that happened after college and when I got into the massage world, which kind of dovetails into probably some of the whole story about me. That's a perfect segue. Let's just go right into how did you decide on this career? Share a little bit about how you got into the field. I went to Eckerd College. I have a degree in holistic health and wellness. My original intention was to go on further and get my master's in corporate fitness. So I was going to go into corporate fitness, which back in 1991, dating myself here, but it was kind of a new upcoming idea to go into these large corporations and promote you know, some sort of fitness center or fitness program to help their employees performance and such like. That's kind of where I was headed. My senior year, one of the classes I was in, we had to do a kind of a day out in a profession and then you come back and do an oral presentation. A lot of people were picking the 911 crisis center and teen pregnancy centers and all these different great things, but things that at the time I was not really interested in, in that capacity. And There was a friend of our family that lived down in the area that was a massage therapist and she worked in a chiropractic office. And so I thought maybe I could do that. And I asked the professor and he said, absolutely. And so I contacted her. She uh, proved it with her, her patients. And so I basically went in for a day into her little room and stood in the corner and watched her do, I don't know, I probably watched a total of about five sessions. And again, she worked in the chiropractic office, so it was very clinical. She was treating neck pain, back pain. Probably about two sessions in, it was like the angels had sang down from the heavens that this is what I was supposed to be doing. I kid you not. At the end of the day, I was pen and paper in hand. Where do I go? How do I become a massage therapist? What, you know, I had, and honestly, I went into it just like, okay, this is just a project that I'm going to do for school, check the box and let's move on. And it changed my life. At that point, I dove in, found out all the particulars and I graduated from Eckerd in May, second or third of 1991. And I was enrolled in massage school by the end of May of 1991. 
and I graduated out of the program by the end of 1991. Crazy, right? So it just happened just like that. That's a great story. Is that how you got into the deep tissue? When I tell people about you, when someone says, oh, I need a masseuse or a massage, people who have some chronic pain or something that really needs targeted work, I feel like that's your specialty. Would you agree? I agree. I definitely tend to be a person who would describe myself as a kind of like a clinical medical sports massage type of therapist. I'm quite capable of doing whatever somebody needs if they just want to relax. I can do that. It's not what I choose my practice to be built upon. And even in massage school, I focused on sports massage. As a massage therapist, we do have to do continuing education. So a lot of my continuing education has been in the, the medical, clinical, orthopedic, sports kind of realm. So that when people come in and say, well, I've got, you know, pick your condition. I'm typically very familiar with the condition from all aspects and then can set a strategy to help people get hopefully pain-free or at least a clinical stability. You help me become pain-free. I'm your number one fan. What do you most enjoy about being a massage therapist? There's a couple layers to that. It's very rewarding to work with people in the capacity where they come in and especially if they've kind of been around the way, like I've seen this person and I've seen that person and I've done this and it's not that, but they don't know what it is. And, and then usually in those situations I love because they've kind of seen all the docs. And so I know what it isn't. And so that leaves only a few things, which is usually soft tissue, which is my specialty. So being able to kind of be a part of somebody's process where they get and become pain-free is incredibly rewarding. You know, unless you've seen it or been in chronic pain, some people don't understand what it's like to not be able to put your pants on. You can't tie your hair or put your hair braid back or reach around and put your belt on. It's definitely rewarding to be a part of the process and help the body get back to, you know, healing. And then another great thing that I love about this profession is usually people are coming in and they're happy to see me. They're happy when they leave. We have wonderful conversation. For me, it's a wonderful energy and space to be in on a regular basis because, you know, it's, it's not stressful. <laughs> you know, you're right. So it's like you get the best of customer service. You don't have to deal with the negativity because you fix people and they are happy. Right. We're going to segue into another specialty of yours, which has been you're traveling with the USA Women's Olympic soccer team. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So kind of to take a couple steps back, I first began traveling with national teams back in 1999. My first national team that I ever traveled with was with the USA track and field team. So anytime these national teams have large competitions, world championships, Olympics, World Cups, anything like that, they're typically traveling with a complete, well, full staff of all kinds of people, but a medical staff and massage is part of that medical component. So I traveled with USA Track and Field from 1999 up through the 2012 Olympics. So I actually was with them. I, I worked with the Olympic team of 2008. I worked with the Olympic team in 2012 with track and field, and then also worked multiple world championships with them as well. Through that, U.S. soccer got my name, 
when they had an event that they needed a position for a therapist. And so I actually, it was actually a U23 and under 23 men's camp that I went into, worked that, and the, all the staff there were like, you need to be working with the elite women's team. So I got the opportunity. I started working with them in 2012, and I pretty much worked with them all the way up through 2019. So I was with them for the 2015 World Cup, the 2016 Olympics, and the 2019 World Cup, which they won both World Cups, which was you know, just an amazing thing to be a part of. But yeah, so that whole um, thing just came out of being in the right place at the right time. And people knew that I was a, a qualified sports therapist and I was able to, to travel. So it was great. That is great. What is different from working with those folks versus your home clients. As far as the body is concerned and the basics of kind of how I strategize what I'm doing, there's not a lot of difference there. The difference comes in thinking in terms of, you know, when is this person going to be playing? How am I working with most importantly, the other health providers on the team? Because when I'm here at home, I'm, I'm pretty much working by myself. Now I have a lot of people that I refer out to and I can consult with, but when you're traveling with a national team, you are literally like sometimes in the same space as the athletic trainers. It looks a lot different because they may have done something that I'm quite capable of doing as well. So I don't want, I don't want to do double treatment on somebody, you know, so there's this whole communication process that looks very different when I'm in a camp with them, I'll get a little bit more complex injuries sometimes. What's one of the worst injuries you had to deal with when you were in another country? Just some kind of common soccer injuries. You're going to have severe ankle sprain strain injuries. You're going to have severe knee injuries. You know, there's been, as I was never part of it, but there, there was an instance where an athlete had a break. They had a lower leg break that was pretty severe. I wasn't there for that. A massage therapist doesn't play part of the initial treatment of that. You're obviously part of the long-term rehab process at some points, you know, in the camp. So a lot of what I saw would just be kind of your traditional, what you would think of as soccer players having knee and ankle injuries, things like that. Any funny experiences that you can share? There's lots of funny little snapshots that kind of run through my mind occasionally. Probably a funny one that shows up that I can share is in 2016, the Rio Olympics. So we were in Brazil, the fitness coach, she was obviously responsible for making sure the girls were in elite level fitness for competition. She organized a talent show. You had to sign up. Everybody could participate that wanted to participate. Athletes, staff, the whole nine yards. I don't have a lot of talents. Like my talents are attached to the ends of my wrists. My hands are probably my best gift and talent, but I enjoy that kind of stuff. And the other massage therapist and I, because they traveled at the time with two therapists. So her and I were in the talent show. She was the top of the person. And then I was the hands. So I was hiding behind a thing and I was the hands and she was the talking mouth. Her hands were the feet 
and mine were the hands sticking out. She would talk and I would be doing all of the gesturing. So if she was talking about how to make sure you applied sunscreen before the event. And so I put sunscreen all over and then through the bottle and, you know, just it was really funny. And the, and the coaching staff were actually doing the scoring of it. I mean, you can't be on a team like this and not, not be a competition. So they were doing the scoring. We had everybody dying laughing. Like it was the be- we were just so proud of ourselves. And I was proud because I was part of something like that because there's no way I could have been the head. I would have just been laughing the entire time. I, w- I had told her, I was like, the only way I can do this is if I can't be seen because I can't do funny stuff. Like the people that can do straight face jokes, like pranks, I stink at it because I'm just like, yeah, it's so funny. So we did our thing. And then all the athletes that were doing it, we, I think we were, we might've been the only staff that did it. And all the athletes then got their turn as well. I think honestly, we actually won but the coaches made everybody change their scores. So one of the players actually won. That was a lot of fun. There's been a couple other things like the soccer team is hilarious because they like to dress up at Halloween. So I've been in a surprise Halloween things. There was a time where we were in camp one time and the, uh, you know, the, the hoverboard, they got them in the middle of a camp, what was a tournament, and they were riding them in the hotel room, down the hallways of the hotel. It's not like it's a random... 10 year old kid. These are like grown women who actually are in the middle of competition. So that was kind of funny because all of the medical staff were like, you guys are going to fall and break your neck. And a lot of them who are incredibly athletic on the soccer field, there were definitely questionable hoverboard skills that, <laughs> that, I, that were out there that were being displayed. That. that is too I mean, funny. We really thought people were going to be hurt during that tournament, but I was taxed with making sure said hoverboard got to all of the different destinations that we were going to on that trip. So I was Sherpa-ing the hoverboard on all these different airplanes, you know, and then later we find out like however many months later, oh, by the way, they can catch fire and all kinds of things. But anyway, so it's funny, just like little, little stories like that, the shenanigans that go on and national team camps and I'm pick your sport. I'm sure there's lots of it. So (laughs) I'm sure there is. And we hardly ever hear about it. We're going to switch gears one more time. We're living in the age of COVID-19. How has this affected what you do as a masseuse? It actually has affected me very little in the sense that in our profession, we are already very, I don't know if stringent's the right word, but we're very We clean everything in between each person. Everybody gets a new set of sheets. The table gets cleaned. We're washing our hands. We're doing the sanitize. Like all those things were already in place. For for me, that part didn't change. The only thing that changed would be wearing of masks. Obviously just respecting when people were ready to come back and have a treatment or not, or, you know, that's separate from the actual process of having a room ready for a treatment. So you've been very fortunate throughout this. I've been very fortunate. I mean, we'd certainly had a, a few weeks where we had the executive order for Florida. We we're regulated under Department of Health which actually surprises a lot of people. They think we're 
pooled in with like hairstylists and stuff. And we're not, we're actually regulated by the department of, we're licensed by the department of health. So we're considered an elective procedure. So when elective procedures were paused, that's when I had to pretty much, I had to make that decision. Do I follow this or I think it was about six weeks. And then once they said elective procedures were, were a go, then I came back and I've been working ever since. Well, thank you for that. Where would you like to be in the next 10 years? Where do you see yourself? Wow, 10 years. I learned something in this book I was reading a few years ago. Actually, it's a Jewish book. It was written by a Jewish rabbi. And he said that there is not a word in the Jewish language for the word retire. It's not a word that they have. So I found that interesting and it really made me think, yeah, they really wouldn't like retire. What does that actually look like? Because I'm 51 now. So in 10 years, that sets me up into my 60s. Honestly, I, I would like to continue to keep doing what I'm doing. I, I may not do it in the volume that I do now. I may adapt my hours differently, but I would also like to be working with people in more of the healthy longevity moving, making sure that people that are in my age at that time still are comfortable getting on the floor and getting off the floor. I'm breaking it down in my mind to a few simple things, be able to push things, pull things, squat, and balance. Those are kind of what I've been thinking like, how can I help people do those things over my lifetime? I would still see myself doing some massage, but then of course, you know, you want to play. You want to go ride in the RV and go check out the world and, you know. Do you think some of that switch towards the movement piece with getting up, squatting, all of that, does watching your parents who are older influence a little bit of that probably watching more so my grandparents and just how that happens because my parents started young they're only in their 70s so they had me mom had me when she was 18 dad was 20 so i guess it's more of i want to be proactive in helping them too because i did see a little bit with grandparents and then you know other friends and families relatives as they get into those older ages 70s 80s you know where they start to lose some some mobility i feel like if if i'm in it then it helps me also continue because i'm very much a person that i walk the talk like i try to make sure that i'm doing the things that if i'm unwilling to do something then i'm not going to be recommending it to you you know and that's that's kind of where where i stand is that i i try to be true to that idea that i need to be the example that i'm actually encouraging people to do as far as movement and taking care of their bodies that's a wonderful attribute and last statement to bring this to a close Angela, this was so wonderful having you on and having you share your background and your information. Thank you for speaking with me. Thank you too, Mona. It was wonderful to be on. I'm so excited that you stretched out and really have started something fun and different in this podcast world. It's great to see and it was fun to be a part of. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, I would appreciate your sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Click to follow me on SoundCloud and Instagram 
and give me a thumbs up on the podcast page. The next episode will be available in two weeks, usually on a Monday. Till next time, this is Stories from A to Z with Mona P. 